0: Generally, when people sell their businesses, they get a chunk of it up front, and then there's some sort of earn out period of two to three years where you have to stick around and make sure that your company continues to perform so that you get the full value of your company. In this case, he he was able to walk away because he had his successor in place.
1: Welcome back to Chat with Leaders where we amplify the voices of leaders who use business and influence as a force for good. We believe that it's their example that will have a tremendous impact on our next generation of servant leaders who will carry us forward into our bright, sustainable future. Today, we're thrilled to welcome back Beth Miller, a leadership development advisor and executive coach here in Atlanta, Georgia, who we've previously had on the show. For business owners and senior leaders, her book, Replaceable, An Obsession with Succession, provides a step-by-step six-phase process and valuable tools to create and execute a succession plan, delivering a strong leadership pipeline that builds value for your company and allows senior leaders to expand their roles and success. You won't wanna miss this conversation. Let's get into it. What is a commonly held belief about succession planning amongst business leaders that you passionately disagree with?
0: That you start two or three years before you're getting ready to, to depart the, the company. I mean, that's that's usually what happens. Business owners are always saying, oh, I've got 10 years. It'll be 10 years. Well, 10 years creeps up. And then, then all of a sudden, they're not ready because they don't have their the right team in place to take the company forward. And they are playing catch up. And it's, in fact, I'm working with a, a gentleman right now. Up in the Midwest, and he's he's in his early 70s. He wants to to leave, but he doesn't really have the people below him prepared. So I'm spending some time right now with one of their high potentials who has a lot of the the skill sets and behaviors and competencies that are necessary, but there are a few that he's that he's missing and helping to build those before he gets into um, the position. So replaceable is about making sure that you've got the right people in the right seats at the right time doing the right things.
1: I want to read one of the uh, praises at the beginning of your book, which I thought was uh, apropos. Leaders who build ensuing companies know that leadership is a continuous journey towards irrelevance. Here, Beth Miller shows us how to do that. Is that hard for a lot of leaders to hear irrelevance when they they feel so passionate about starting their company in the first place?
0: Yeah, I think that's um, probably one of the biggest roadblocks to succession planning is the actual business owner, because he or she has spent years building their organization. It's, it's, it's one of their babies and letting go of that is really difficult. So one of the things that I often will find myself doing with a business owner is actually helping create a plan post-sale. So, so they understand what it's going to, what their life is going to look like afterwards. And in my book, I I talk about Dan, who did a really good job at planning his exit, and he did it over a period of years. You know, he, he identified his potential successor. He got that individual trained and readied, as well as getting others in the organization trained and ready so that... By the time the company was put up for sale, he was only working one day a week. So the company was not dependent on him. So he had made himself replaceable. He's a lot
1: happier. Dan, I remember Dan. A lot
0: happier (laughs) and also from uh, from a standpoint of his exit, very unusual. He got um, full value up front. Generally, when people sell their businesses, they get a chunk of it up front, and then there's some sort of earnout period of two to three years where you have to stick around and make sure that your company continues to perform so that you get the full value of your company. In this case, he, he was able to walk away because he had his successor in
1: place. I would argue that's why it's important to tell stories of Dan and for you to ultimately be encouraged to write books like this. So what and or who ultimately did encourage you to write this book?
0: I had the idea for a long time, but part of it was COVID. COVID hit and I work with a lot of small businesses and a lot of them had to put me on pause. Mm-hmm. So I I had a lot more time in 2020 that I thought, "Well, gosh, here's here's my opportunity to write this book that I've had had in the back of my mind for quite some time."
1: You made an important distinction in your book I wanted to ask about. You talked about succession planning versus exit planning, how they kind of harmoniously work together, but they're different in some ways. So, what are the key differences?
0: Well, I mean, exit planning is generally within, you know, to a 2 to 3 year period of time where the the business owner decide, "Hey, this is the time where I need to get my ship in order to prepare for exit. So it's making sure that your, your books are in order, that if you have any intellectual property that that's um, properly protected, documentation of processes, all of those things. So it's much more operational. Succession planning is all about your talent. It's all about the people. It's making sure that you're developing them and preparing them so that, that they can be successful when you leave. It's also identifying gaps in the organization where you may not have somebody to step in. And that's where it gets really tricky because that if you hire from an external resource, that individual is not going to have the institutional knowledge that you and others have. And they don't understand the culture of your organization. So I've seen a lot of business owners fail in that aspect where they've brought somebody on in an appropriate amount of time, but for one reason or another, it it fails. And, and that individual either leaves on their own <laughs> or is asked to, to find a uh, future employment because it's, it's just not working out.
1: I wanted to dive into the contents of your book a little bit. You introduced various uh, phases yes. of succession planning. So I wanted to touch on those at a high level with the time we have. I'm mean, going to encourage people to go read the book, to go into a deeper dive. But the, the first one is the prepare phase. So can you give yes. us kind of a, a high level overview of that?
0: It's, it's basically two steps. And the, the steps are putting a succession planning team together, getting the right people in the room that are going to drive the, the process. And then it's going through, and I in the book, I provide an assessment tool of assessing your organization on how prepared you are to execute the plan. So there are things like performance management systems and career pathing, things like that, that if, if you don't have it, You need it. Understanding the competencies of your organization, defining what uh, potential is. All of those things need to happen in order to execute the plan.
1: I think a lot of leaders think in that phase that if they introduce preparation too early, that it gives the impression that they don't have this, that they're not in charge. But ultimately, I think it would invite a higher level of engagement with future leaders. If you engage them early to show that, Hey, there's growth here. We we are planning to include you in leadership decisions. And so I think it sends the appropriate message from the very beginning. Would you agree with that?
0: Yeah. In fact, I I mentioned that in the book that once, once you've got the team together, you need to communicate to the company that this is happening Mm -hmm. because there are, there's a lot of research around retention, especially of millennials, that if they understand that um, there are opportunities and, and there, there is a succession plan um, in place, they're going to, they're going to stay longer. All
1: right. So the next phase is the identify phase. Can we touch on that?
0: So identify is identifying the core competencies, which are tied to your values. It's those behaviors that support values. And there are kind of two levels to that. One is employee competencies, and the other is leadership competencies. And I talk about a ladder versus a competency model because competency models it can get very complex. And for smaller companies, it's pretty, it's overkill. The other is key positions. So key positions are different than key employees. So it's looking at the blank sheet of your organizational chart and identifying. Where are the people or the positions that if, if they're empty, your company is going to have problems? And that could be, it could be like a tech support person who has the keys to your network system. Those are the, the key positions. Then there is defining what potential is in your organization. That's really important because when you get to the point of having conversations with employees you need to have a clear definition of what you're looking for from employees, because employees are going to start questioning. If somebody gets, gets a promotion, well, gee, why did they get it and, and um, not that one employee? So being really clear about that. So those are kind of the three things that you want to identify
1: how you build a team. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. With that clarity and transparency. And I love your point too, that it's not just the executives, VPs, middle managers, all that, but it it really is anybody that has important keys of the company so that you're not left in a bad spot if they up and left or something happened, or so it really builds that continuity in from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. All right. So the next, the next phase is the analyze phase. Can we touch on that?
0: That's really identifying gaps in your organization from a standpoint of employees. So it's, it's going to be around having that, a talent conversation where, where you are looking at each employee and identifying where the gaps are from a standpoint of competencies, potential, et cetera. So you were then plotting on a, what, what I call a nine box grid, which is it's a common, common tool that HR will use. And you plot it against a potential and performance. Potential is tricky because potential is really about future. A performance is easier to measure because that's historic. So you're plotting performance versus potential. And you're identifying in that uh, top right quadrant, those high potentials. So those are the ones that you're really going to be focused on. I mentioned in the book that everybody should be developed, but those high potentials are the ones that you need to be laser focused on uh, because they're the ones that are ultimately going to be taking larger positions in the organization that are are more strategic to your success.
1: I love the visuals and the grids and the the workbook aspect of your book, because it helps you kind of visualize what you're saying here with those high potentials and how to plot that out. And, It really helps you work through that. So I would say it's a great guide that I would encourage people to check out beyond just us walking through the high level here. So the next one is that development phase, which you just touched on slightly, but let's bring that home and talk about that a little bit more.
0: The development phase is really putting a a plan together, you and the employee, that is a timeline, generally an annual event, but you're checking in on them on on a quarterly basis. To see where they are in the in the development process, they're the ones that are going to have to do the heavy lifting. But but it's your job to let them know that development is important. So you need to set aside time specifically for that development conversation, versus mixing it up with uh, performance um, appraisal and stuff like that. Recruit actually could stand on it on its own. It's all about having the right process, interviewing, behavioral interviewing style, using assessments appropriately. So that could be like a short story, pulling that chapter out of the book. It's a standalone.
1: And, And then lastly, the recognize phase.
0: Yeah, people forget to measure progress and then recognize and reward not just the employees who are going along and and moving up in the organization but the team as well because the team has has been in place continues to be in place and and they're the ones that are owning the the succession plan and pushing it forward
1: word of the wise it's it's looking at not waiting until you're 80 years old to think about the importance of each of these phases because it's a lot let's be real that's a lot of work it takes a lot of Time, execution, planning, reflection, resources. So start from the beginning, right? Because you yeah. got to do all that appropriately to, to make your company sustainable and, and to make it enduring.
0: Yeah, and I, and I talk about how it's really important to integrate succession planning into your business planning. That's a succession plan should be a, a subset of your business plan. Hey, no, no business plan should, not, should be without a succession plan.
1: What are two or three questions that you would encourage our listeners to ask themselves as leaders, as business leaders, as they reflect on how to effectively plan succession for their leadership role starting today?
0: I think the the, the first one would, would be: Do I understand truly the competencies that I'm looking for in a leader? If not, then obviously figure that out, and and secondly, then integrate those into the measurements of leaders. That would be one. I think the, 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 set, the second one is, am I ready to step aside? You know, and now, if it's a business owner, that's, that's a separate question than if you are, for instance, a division manager. You know, you're a manager of a team, that, that gets tricky because they're, those leaders are like, well, gee, where am I gonna go? If, if I'm developing my, my successor, where are my opportunities? Well, it may be that your opportunities are not moving up, but broadening what you do so that you can delegate and move things off of your plate to somebody else. And you can take on you know, more strategic initiatives that would still be in your title, but it's it's broadening your job
1: yeah maybe get involved in the community chair of the board you're out there evangelizing the business and helping it grow still and driving strategy and finding fulfillment in that while empowering many other leaders within your company to grow and develop what a what a great concept so if people wanted to buy the book beth learn more about you online follow your leadership which i highly encourage where would you guide them
0: well amazon.com the book is is out there my website is executive-velocity.com. I'm also on LinkedIn. I have a, a newsletter that comes up monthly. We, fo- we focus on uh, monthly themes. I think this month is going to be high potentials. So that's that's another way of following me.
1: Include all those in the show notes, of course, on chatableeders.com. Beth, such a gift to know you. Thank you for your time today.
0: Well, thank you, Jeff. I really enjoyed it.
1: Well, that wraps up another edition of Chat with Leaders. Thank you for investing your time with us today. If you haven't already, we would be grateful if you shared this episode with a friend and rated it on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts so we can pass down the wisdom from our guests to more aspiring leaders. If you're interested in launching a professional podcast to grow your business, we would love to help. Check out chatwithleaders.com for more information and feel free to reach out by emailing team at chatwithleaders.com. Thanks again and go be a leader worth following.